When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Time Magazine today named Tesla CEO Elon Musk as its 2021 Person of the Year. He was going to go out and buy a copy, but then he realized he'd have to pay taxes on it, so it was, you know, <laughs> not worth it. From 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, please enjoy this podcast edition of Late Night with Seth Myers. On today's show, Seth talks to actor Patti Lapone. But first, a closer look. There are shocking new details in the investigation of the January 6th insurrection, including a PowerPoint plan for overturning the election and an attempt to intimidate a Georgia election worker that make it very clear Donald Trump and his gang were trying to stage a coup and came very close to succeeding. For more on this, it's time for a closer look. As we near the one-year anniversary of the Capitol insurrection, it's important to remember just how terrifying and unpredictable that day was. For example, I remember, instead of taping our show in the afternoon, we postponed it and did it live that night because there was no way of knowing how things were going to end. And we never postpone our tapings because we all have places to be. I have to get home to my family. Shoemaker has to get to the dog track. Jim and John, our security guards, have to get to the dog track. The crew has to get to the dog. It's mostly dog track related. I should clarify, they don't go to bed on dogs. They go to rescue them, but I do not think it's going very well. Every morning they show up with fresh scratches and we try to find out what happened. They just say, don't ask. <laughs> Point is, it's important to remember January 6th and to document each time new details emerge, which incredibly continues to happen, with each piece of new information being more insane than the last. I don't know how it's possible. It's like succession. Just when you think it's getting repetitive, they find a new way to shock you. And by the way, I haven't seen last night's episode yet, so no one spoil it for me. I don't want anyone shouting out plot twists, and I certainly don't want Wally teasing me via cue card. <laughs> Wally, no! <laughs> Do we have to eat later after Wally made a meal of that? The point is, it is now beyond doubt, if there was any to begin with, that Trump and his gang tried to stage a coup to overturn a presidential election. They came incredibly close to pulling it off, and it's very likely they'll try again. 
In fact, we know Trump would like to try it again because he keeps talking about it. As he did over the weekend at a so-called history tour with disgraced former Fox News host Bill O'Reilly. Mike, had he had the courage to do what Thomas Jefferson did, but a minor version. You know, Thomas Jefferson, he kept Georgia, you know that? He didn't send it back. There was a dispute. Hear ye, hear ye. The great state of Georgia is unable to properly calculate its votes. Thomas Jefferson was sitting where I was, right where Mike, you know what he said? Hear ye, hear ye, we will keep the votes of the great state of Georgia. He didn't send it back to legend help. All I wanted, and a lot of people wanted Mike to do, is send it back. I'll say this, he's the only guy I've ever seen do an episode of Drunk History stone cold sober. I mean, it's like watching an amnesia patient wander up on stage during a performance of Hamilton. Secretary Jefferson, you have the floor, sir. Hear ye, hear ye. It's frankly hilarious that the only thing Trump seems to know about American history is that people used to say, hear ye, hear ye. And he probably only knows that from one of those commercials where the owner of a local car dealership dresses up as a founding father for an ad advertising a President's Day sale. Hear ye, hear ye. Come on down to you old Joey Prechicelli ski dealership in Staten Island. These prices are so low, you'll have to two if by land, one if by sea for yourself. <laughs> by the way, Trump is referencing a debunked theory floated by his supporters that Thomas Jefferson somehow used his power as vice president overseeing the counting of electoral votes in 1800 to make himself president. A theory disproven by, among others, an article with the headline, No, Thomas Jefferson Didn't Rig the 1800 Vote Count. It's a real sign of the times how many headlines sound like they should start with a big, old, heavy sigh. <sighs> no, you can't cure COVID with Listerine. With all due respect to O'Reilly and Trump, we might as well get our history tour from a gym teacher who had to sub in last minute because the real teacher had a COVID exposure. Who are we doing today, Jefferson? Okay, uh, bear with coach because it's uh, been a while since I cracked open the history books here. <laughs> oh boy, if memory serves, Jefferson ran on two platforms. One, don't let fish fry in the kitchen, and two, don't let beans burn on the grill. <laughs> and after his presidency, he moved on up to the east side, okay? The Monticello, which is what he called his deluxe apartment in the sky. All right, let's do laps. By the way, <laughs> while we're talking about it, I just feel like it's worth pointing out that ticket sales for this Trump O'Reilly history tour have been lackluster. Photos of the first event in Sunrise, Florida showed lots of empty seats in the arena, and the South Florida Sun Sentinel reported that many seats remained empty in the cavernous arena. The top level was closed, and ticket buyers were upgraded to the lower bowl. Yikes! I mean, there was better attendance at my son's kindergarten holiday pageant, or there would have been had it not been canceled due to COVID, which is a real shame because my son would have killed it as a wise man because I've been teaching him my Pacino. Whoa, did somebody order the myrrh? <laughs> Joseph, that kid does not look like you. <laughs> the juxtaposition... <laughs> the juxtaposition here... <laughs> Go... <laughs> We gotta talk to Joseph. <laughs> no, frankincense won't fix it. The juxtaposition here is so revealing because it's a vivid demonstration of how deeply unpopular he is, which is why he needed to stage a coup to stay in power. And we have overwhelming evidence that that's exactly what happened. They did everything they could 
left no stone unturned, looked for every crack and crevice in our democracy they could possibly find. Their lawyers filed tons of bogus lawsuits and flew around the country trying to get lawmakers to overturn their state's results, forced an unnecessary recount in Georgia that confirmed Biden's win a third time, pressured the governor to call a special session to reject the votes, tried to send alternate slates of electors to D.C., leaned on the Georgia Secretary of State to find enough votes to overturn the result, tried to get the U.S. attorney to announce that there was widespread fraud, tried to get the Justice Department to declare that there was fraud, wrote memo after memo, laying out steps Mike Pence could have taken to overturn the result, called up individual senators to get them to reject the electoral votes, and call Mike Pence into the Oval Office to personally bully him into rejecting the results. Trump tried so many different avenues. He was like the guy at the grocery store during the Christmas rush who keeps switching checkout aisles. You gotta wait, buddy. There's no secret line that's shorter than the other lines. If you don't like lines, go fight with the self-checkout machine like everyone else. Please place your item in the bag. I already bagged it. Please place your item in the bag. It's in the bag! Please wait for assistance. Son of a bitch! <laughs> and when Pence said he didn't have that power, Trump even went so far as to say, but wouldn't it almost be cool to have that power? <laughs> Ugh, did he say that while peeking over his sunglasses, risky business style? It's so disorienting for things to be both this dangerous and this dumb at the same time. Like, how are we supposed to process this? It was both a very real coup attempt that continues to pose a clear and present danger to our democracy, and also one of the dumbest things to ever happen. It's like if you found out this guy was a prolific serial killer. Like, all the defense would have to do is show that video and say, you really think my client is capable of luring innocent victims into his basement? He tried to cannonball through the ice, and then that guy would say, I would never want to break the ice. That's where the bodies are. <laughs> and the lawyer would be like, shh. He's like, no, you have to keep them there or else they start to smell. <laughs> it's a fun, we're having fun, look. <laughs> and yet somehow, things keep getting both more dangerous and dumber. Because in the last few days, we've learned some shocking new details, including the existence of a truly insane PowerPoint presentation that was circling in Trump world, laying out the steps for a coup. Another shocking twist in the January 6th investigation now places a retired U.S. Army colonel at the center of efforts to overturn the 2020 election. The Washington Post reporting Phil Waldron, who circulated a proposal to challenge the election results, visited the White House many times after Joe Biden's victory. And during those visits, he allegedly spoke with former White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, quote, between eight and 10 separate times, worked alongside Trump's legal team and even briefed several members of Congress on the eve of the insurrection about how to stop the election's certification. This is that 38-page PowerPoint presentation, unlike any other PowerPoint you or I have ever seen, I'm sure, that includes options like the President Trump declaring a national emergency to stop that from happening. And the Washington Post is reporting that Waldron personally spoke to Meadows about this PowerPoint. That's right, they wrote down their plans for a coup in a PowerPoint. You know what that means? Congress is gonna have to subpoena Clippy. That's from our new segment, Jokes from 1995. <laughs> now, famously, Trump never writes anything down, but I guess he forgot to tell his underlings before they started emailing a PowerPoint around detailing their crimes. Even the mafia knows to use code words. If the mafia ever made a PowerPoint presentation, it would say something vague, like plan for the guys at the place to do the thing. <laughs> okay, boss, what's the next slide? There's no more slides. 
There's just the one slide. All of that weren't already insane enough. We also have this bizarre plot twist involving a publicist who tried to pressure a Georgia election worker into publicly confessing to bogus fraud charges. What sure looks like another piece of the Trump coup plot is exposed in Georgia. Bombshell reporting from Reuters. A Kanye West publicist pressured a Georgia election worker to confess to bogus election fraud two days before January 6th. We come to a woman named Ruby Freeman. She is a Georgia election worker. She was smeared by, among others, Donald Trump, who mentioned her name 18 times in that phone call to the Secretary of State. A woman named Trevion Cote showed up at Ruby Freeman's doorstep. She said she was representing a high-profile individual who wanted to help Freeman. What Cote did not reveal is that she was a publicist to Kanye West, a Trump ally who himself ran a half-hearted campaign for president in 2020. So she agrees to meet with Kanye's publicist in a safe location, a local police station, where Cutty outlined a threat wherein mysterious figures would show up to Freeman's house and put her and her family in jail if she did not publicly admit to stealing the election for Joe Biden. The president and his gang tried every avenue they could possibly find to stage a coup to overturn an election. They came very close and they'll try again. They tried so many things, even Kanye is apparently involved now, although he legally changed his name, so when Trump introduces him now, he probably says, Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Been a closer look. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Our guest tonight is a Tony and Grammy award-winning actor and Broadway legend you know from shows such as Gypsy and Evita. She's starring in the Broadway revival of Company, which is now playing at the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater. Please welcome to the show, Patti LuPone, everyone! Here. I'm so happy to be here. I'm such a big fan of yours. And can I just say that you and A Closer Look got me through the pandemic. Um, the computer became my best friend. <laughs> I would find you and you would pinpoint the insanity of this country with such great humor that you leveled me. You kept me calm. You made me laugh. And for that, I am indebted to you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. What more could you ask for from... <laughs> the beginning of an interview. Um, that, that means the world to me because I've always uh, been such a huge fan of yours. And this is so uh, thrilling uh, that you were on stage in uh, this revival of Company. This is a, a very famous show, a uh, very famous role. And do you hesitate at all when you get offered something like this or do you just jump in with both feet? Um, well, I actually had given up musicals when I uh, did War Paint a couple of years ago because um, I actually started performing on a bone-on-bone -bone hip, I needed 
a hip replacement and we had just opened, so I couldn't exactly leave the show. And I, musicals are, are difficult physically and they, I have two new hips and a new shoulder. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like. Yeah. And so I, I actually gave up musicals and then Marianne called me, Marianne Elliott, who's the director of Company, who's the director of War Horse, the director of Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. And I had put it out in the universe that I wanted to work with this woman when I saw both of those shows. I gave up musicals, she called. I said, no, 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 no. And then I thought, if I, don't wor- if I don't work with her, if I don't say yes, she'll never ask me again. So I said yes, and I went to London to do the production in London, this production in London, and then, of course, I was going to do it in my native state, my hometown. So. And then uh, uh, it was supposed to open uh, right, uh, like, by March, I think, 20th of, of 2020 or something. On Steve's there. birthday. Yeah, on, we were- so on Stephen Sondheim's birthday, it was yeah. going to open. Yeah. And, uh, and then, obviously, the pandemic hit. And then we very sadly... Uh, uh, lost Stephen last month. Um, you knew him very well. I I, I knew him. <laughs> is that I don't just, think anybody. Is it so interesting? So you don't know if anybody really knew him. Uh, well, I think his intimates knew him. I think Jeff knew him very well, and I knew uh, uh, Mia knows him very well. Um, that that would be Mia Farrell, and uh, there are, he has a coterie of friends. And I was I have a working relationship with him, and I did have a social relationship with him because we both live in the same county, as you do. Um, and um, there would be. There'd be high teas, there'd be New Year's Eve's parties, there'd be dinners, but I was never comfortable. I have to say, he's an intimidating presence. He's so smart and scary. So <laughs> I never felt comfortable. Uh, you know, how was he, uh, well, you know, obviously you were in a situation where he could give you notes, he could give you praise, he could give you criticism. How was he when he would present uh, those, uh, that feedback to a performer? Well, in my particular case, it would depend on the show and it would depend on, uh, for instance, I have this incredible note that sits on my dressing room mirror about this show. Um, And when we did A Little Night Music at Ravinia, he came backstage with really succinct notes and praise. But then when I did Fosca at Lincoln Center Live, I um, was um, uh, destroyed by a note. (laughs) He, he gave you a note that destroyed you. Totally. I, I mean, I didn't understand it. And um, all I heard was monotonous marsh. And I also <laughs> thought if there was anybody with less experience than me, they would have turned in their equity cards because it was a dressing down that was so shocking that, I mean, I, I, I stopped listening because I was sort of freaked out. And then we figured out what the note was. I asked a bunch of people backstage what we thought the note would have been. And then the next day he came to my dressing room and then that night when it was live at Lincoln Center and he said night and day, and so I knew that I had gotten his approval and I had accomplished the note. And basically, he couldn't understand me when I was emotional. So that's a note that's easy to give <laughs> as opposed to what I heard. <laughs> right. Well, I've worked, with, uh, I've worked with people who are like that. Um, uh, you know, Lauren Michaels is someone who is, is you know, also a genius, and, and his notes are very cryptic to the point that he tells them to you, you're destroyed, and then you also don't quite know what he said. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. It's, yes, I think they get caught up in, in themselves. Or, uh, yeah, I think maybe, <laughs> I think maybe you're right. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm allowed to say that, but it's true. It's, yeah. you know, and I, I, they have a point to make and they're, they're passionate about the point, but they're not necessarily diplomatic. Yeah. And, and, but I think it's true of, 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 of any of us that are in the lower echelon. The actor is the low man on the theatrical totem pole. So we get beat up all the time. Yeah. It's just the way it goes. It's not nice, but we have to expect it from our director, from the musical director. You know, if you're in a musical, from the composer, from the lyricist, you're going to get notes that are 
Mm, change your life. <laughs> Being away from a live audience, uh, what is it like uh, having it back? Is it everything you remembered or is it even more valuable having well, taken time away? How do you feel? How I, did you feel? I, you know, it's great. It is. It is really great. I also think, uh, yeah. you know, I think I forgot how easy it was to pander like that and get applause. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think, I think that it, it, it was a scary time because we didn't know when it would end. Yeah. That was the thing that was like freaking me out. I went to the dark side so many times. I thought, is this my life now? And if this is my life, do I want this life? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, is this retirement? But I think also the audiences that we are playing to are happy and grateful that there is that live interaction again. Uh, we, all, we all missed it. We all, I mean, there's how many Netflix shows can we binge watch? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Without some sort of connection. And I find that um, in company now, I feel the same response. I'm sure that you do with this it's audience. Really it, it's really, I could cry right now because we need that interaction. We need that connection with each other. You did something else during the pandemic that I want to thank you for because it was interesting, right? We didn't have audiences, but yet we also, I don't know if you felt this, I felt this connection with my audience that I hadn't had before because I was doing a show alone into an iPad, hyper aware that most people watch it alone into an iPad. Right. And so, I, even though there was nobody and I couldn't hear anything, I felt like they were right there and there was an authenticity was. to that. Yeah, I now was. I'm so happy to hear that. I felt you. Um, <laughs> but you, you started shooting videos in your basement that were the same thing. Like it was an authentic version of you that I feel like maybe people like me were a huge fan of you. Maybe we didn't know your personality as well. And then you shot these videos and we got to know you through that. <laughs> even though we were, you know, a million miles away. What gave you the idea to start shooting those? Rosie O'Donnell, we, you know, a lot of us, I think I became more famous on Zoom uh, than I'd ever been in, in my professional life. Rosie O'Donnell did a benefit for the Actress Fund and she asked me to sing. I was going to do it a cappella, but I had to get the note from the piano and the piano's downstairs and the piano's right opposite the pinball machine. And people saw the pinball machine and they wanted to see the rest of the basement. <laughs> and, and I said to my husband, I said, well, let's show them the rest of the basement. What the hell? What have we got to lose? <laughs> so we, we started to show them the basement. That's yeah. what it was, and the, the basement tape. The basement was one of the stars of the pandemic. <laughs> and for anybody who missed it, here's a quick look at Patty's basement. <laughs> I already made a video and it won't download. So now I'm just... All-Star 1987, second stage, second prize for most time spent in the gutter. Who won first? Okay, okay, I gotta stop. Bye. <laughs> it's quite a basement. Quite a basement. My husband has a huge collection. Yeah, he's put together. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. Hey, yeah. thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you for Just having me. Just a delight. Me. You guys, that's Patty LuPone. Company is on Broadway now at the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater for tickets and more information. Please visit www.companymusical.com. Late Night with Seth Meyers airs weeknights on NBC at 1235, 1135 Central. Original music on the Late Night podcast is by the H.E. Band. 
Don't forget to follow the handle Late Night Seth on social media and tell your friends to subscribe to the Late Night Podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Alex Ryder is back. Hello, Alex. We have a lot of work to do. To face his greatest challenge yet. We have an active threat. They can wipe out an entire city. People are going to die. Now he's running out of time. We have three days to find and destroy. He doesn't know who he can trust. We're not your enemies. We never have been. Everything I've been told has been lies. And our future is in his hands. The truth can be complicated. On April 5th. This weapon is capable of inflicting 100,000 deaths in a heartbeat. The danger is everywhere. Scorpio are no longer hiding in the shadows. The battle threatens everyone. It's personal. It's revenge. It's kill or be killed. That's when you find out what you're really capable of. And his choice could change everything. I'm sick of being manipulated to do what everyone else wants. Tell him the truth, all of it. The world isn't black and white. All we really have are the people we trust. Alex Ryder, season three, streaming free April 5th. Stream seasons one and two free now.